0: So our passage today is a f- somewhat familiar one. Uh, Corey referenced it a minute ago. goes out of Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and dis- the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. And the passage itself is somewhat intriguing to me. I, I, I like this one. I, it's, it, there's some questions that come out of it just naturally. I mean, why did the disciples try to stop children from coming to see Jesus? I mean, that doesn't, in our current sensibility, it's like, why would you do that? This is, you know, a great man, a healer, someone who. Obviously, is is touched by God, and I want my kids to be around people like that. So, so why wouldn't they let that happen? And I think at least one of the reasons is that in that age, children just didn't matter that much. You know, they weren't. It's not. It was a different time. You know, children were not seen as endearing or all that important except to their parents. Um, So, what the disciples were doing was trying to protect Jesus. For the children to approach the master, for the children to approach the rabbi, the Lord, could have been seen as an affront. Why are these little guys, why are these urchins, so to speak, coming up to bother the great teacher? And so they were actually trying to do a good thing for Jesus by protecting him from them. See, they needed to stay away. They needed to be on their best manners, right? You know the deal. Needed to be seen and not heard. That's right. But really, in this case, not seen at all would have been the better uh, answer for, for that situation. That's apparently the, the way that the, the kind of attitude that the disciples brought to this the mo- at the moment that they tried to keep uh, Jesus from being bugged by these guys. Fortunately, we don't have those kind of circumstances in the church today. We don't mind that our kids are childlike or even childish, and we don't have unrealistic expectations about that. We don't think that they need to sit still or be quiet, not bother anybody, but certainly be cute and involved, but stay a part of the church. I'm glad that that old way of viewing kids is gone, and we don't ever look at kids like that anymore. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's over the top. I know that. See, uh, here's the thing. I'm sure... And I love this about Arbor Point Church. I, I'm sure that everyone in here understands that worship to a two year old probably looks a little bit different than worship to me, right? In fact, worship to a two year old probably looks a lot like play, a lot like dancing, a lot like having, you know, running around a little bit. And, 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 and it's hard for them to be engaged and listen for an hour. But worship to a 10-year-old looks a little bit different than it does for a 2-year-old. See, a 10-year-old can be engaged, and they can listen, and they can pay more attention. And worship to a 16-year-old or a teenager, uh, it looks very, mu- very much different. In fact, for us here at Arbor Point Church, we believe that that brings you into adulthood, and you are now part of this congregation. Our announcement guys are, are high school age, uh, ushers are high school age, and, and, and we want them to be a part of this body. Want them to take part in worship. I love that that's what we aim for in this place. But we have but but please know, you know, we understand that worship sometimes around here with you know some of our young kids is, is gonna look a little bit different. That's okay. Sometimes our our kids get a little bit loud and they play, but that's worship. Here is at Arbor Point Church, is this is a place where you come as you are, where you can come and at in the place that you are. And we understand that where you are is not where God is going to leave you. So we meet you here in this place where if you're 2, we meet you as a 2-year-old. If you're 10, we meet you as a 10-year-old. If you're 16, we meet you as a 16-year-old. If you're 75, we meet you as a 75-year-old. If you're... 95, we meet you as a 95-year-old. We meet you where you are in this place. That's part of what it means to be the body of Christ. The philosophy of every person deeper comes to mind. Every person deeper. What that means is that each of us enters into this place in a specific spot, right? This is, we enter in where we are, and the church needs to be prepared to help each of us go deeper from that place, so that they can become who God created them to be. Fulfill the calling that God has in your life. We want to inspire people to do that. That's why when an atheist comes to church... They should be able to bring their atheism with them, with all the questions and all the skepticism and the cynicism. And we should meet them in that place and be willing to engage with them. That's why when someone who's been a Christian for 75 years comes into this place, we need to be willing to meet them in that place and be willing to help them, whatever the next step is, to grow deeper and closer to God. Because that's what we're here to do. This morning is about worshiping God to go deeper. So that we can engage with this creator of ours. Because he is awesome. God, if, if you're wondering, God is awesome. And, and he is amazing. And to be involved, that the creator of all is involved with us is just an incredible gift for us. The philosophy that we're looking at with the youth, that every student deeper, every youth deeper, is critically important. And, and we are, tonight we're going to start fleshing this out a little bit. But we're starting to plan serving opportunities. How do we serve? How do we get out of ourselves? Mission opportunities, which is a little bit broader than that. Um, growing in faith opportunities. That's what November 4th, when we start that time in the morning to to spend, just kind of in study and, and together as a group. And fun, which is what whipped cream and shave cream and flour and all that stuff is about. All of those things, fellowship, all of these things, that's what m- helps us to grow deeper. And for each of us, I can't tell you which it is that's going to be the catalytic event for you to move deeper. People think sometimes that faith is this, this kind of constant up. It's not. Faith is a lot like this. Hey, that was great. Oh, and Then you, we plateau, right? And then it's like, okay, what's next? You know, I'm kind of, is this it? And no, it's not it because then we go on a mission trip maybe or we get in a Bible study or, or we, we go to an, a, a concert or an event and we get bumped and God says, hey, get back on that trajectory. And then we start to grow again. And then you know what happens over time? We get back on that plateau. And we go, oh, man, that was so cool. What happened? God, where are you? You were here. Now you're gone. What? He wasn't, and it, he's not gone. You know, sometimes those, those dry periods are our greatest growth periods because we learn a lot about who God is and about who we are and where our faith is in those times. So with the youth, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to engage in those four areas in particular, which is fun and fellowship, service, mission, study. And I don't know which it is that's going to move which particular youth to the place that God would have them to be. But I believe absolutely that in that process, they will move to the place God would have them to be. And guess what? That happens for adults, too. That when we engage in the church and when we don't just sit off to the sideline, that God moves in our hearts and our minds and he changes our perspective. But for whatever reason, back to the the passage, the the disciples weren't ready to meet those kids where they were. They said, okay, hang on, you're bugging the master. And we don't like that. But Jesus wasn't happy either, right? Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And two things in particular jump from this passage at me that, you know, they, they make me go, uh oh, now let, hang on. God, what are you trying to say here? You know, and the first is, what in the world does it mean that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these? Wait a minute, it should belong to such as me, not to such as these. It should belong to I'm adult. I'm I'm somewhat mature as a as a believer. It should belong to me. And the answer is, well, if you're entering in as a child, any char. If you're entering in as a know-it-all, you might be in trouble. You see, this idea of coming as a child is a big deal to God. And I picked a couple of passages. You go look up Be as a Child and, and, and start looking at Scripture because there's a bunch. Matthew 18, 3 to 4, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like the child is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven, Or Luke 10, 21, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. See, God wants us to come to him as children do to their parent. He wants us to come in that same fashion. So it makes you go, okay, what does that look like? What, what exactly are we talking about? Well, one of them is this. One of them is that trust... Leads to faith. That trust leads to faith. Children trust their parents unless something happens to break that trust. That's the nature where they're born, trusting their parents. So, you know, they, you, when they talk to us when they're newborn, what do they say? <coughs> that's what they say, right? That's, that's it. That's, that's what they got. That's all they got, you know. And, and you learn to differentiate between the cries, but it's still cries. It's not, it's not, hello, mother and father, I would like a bottle right now. That don't happen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just annoying, but it is what it is. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's how they tell us, I want a bottle, or, you know, you better change me or else I'm going to make a real mess, Um, stuff like that. So, they're born with that. They're born with that trust that If I do this, my parents are going to step in and they're going to take care of my needs. That's what they believe. And and, and while they can't verbalize it, they believe it. So in other words, they are born with faith in their parents. They're born with faith in their parents. And we need to have faith in our parents, right? Faith in our Heavenly Father that He's going to see us through, that He's going to provide, that He's going to be there with us. And trust in Him, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. But trust leads to faith. Kids have it. We need it as adults because the world tries to pull it out of us, tries to make us so self-reliant that we forget that we need to be God-reliant. And boy, that one is a killer for us in the church. The other thing is, messes often lead to growth. Have you noticed that? When we make a mess of stuff, and and have you noticed this? Kids and youth get into messes, right? I mean, we do it as adults, (laughs) kids and youth. They get into some messes because, you know, they're trying stuff out, and they're experimenting, they're exploring, they're learning, so they make mistakes along the way. It's what our kids, it's what our grandkids do. It's who they are. It's so that they can grow to become who God created them to be. My grandson, Mason, he just had senior day, which is mind-boggling to me. He was born three months early, and he was like 19 inches and 1 pound 13 ounces, and now he's 6 foot 4. It's like, wow, Uh, that's just amazing. But when he was young and little, because now he's not little anymore, he wanted to take my guitar up the stairs, right? And I had a guitar, it had a hard case, so I could let him. Um, but he, so he grabbed the guitar to take it up upstairs, now he's a little guy, and this is, the guitar case was bigger than he was. So he grabs it, and you know what he did, right? He's just like bouncing it off everything in the house, trying to get it to go up the stairs, and he can't carry it, he's. Hits the guardrail of the stair, he's bouncing it off the wall, all this stuff. He's making a mess of it, right? He's not able to do it, but he's trying. He's trying. So I watch him, and I let him do it. And then he got to the staircase, (laughs) and he got on the first kind of level, and then he sat down, and he laid the case down, and he said, Gramps, this is heavy. This is heavy. I said, yeah, I know, Mace. Let's do it together. So he and I took that guitar case up the stairs. But I needed to let him try. I needed to let him do that. I needed to let him make the attempt, even though he wasn't successful in that. And I watched him, and I was with him that whole way. And guess what? Whatever you're going through, God is with you in it. He's not going to let you go. He's going to help you walk through it to the next place that's who he is even if it's messy and and your mess I know this is going to surprise you because we think that we're often what we're not the mess that you made or or that you're making now doesn't shock God God's not going "Ah, I can't believe you did that I mean he may be going you probably ought not to do that But it doesn't shock him. He's not surprised. He's not like, man, that blows me away. I can't believe Mike did that. That was just a shocker. Never saw that one coming. You know, that that was just, I don't know what I'm going to do with him now. It doesn't happen to God. That's not who he is. You know, so you didn't shock him. We sometimes make a mess of things, and God stays with us and doesn't give up on us ever, ever, no matter what. And the other thing I want to point out uh, is that arguments often lead to discipline. That arguments lead to discipline. Our kids love to argue. Amen. 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 (laughs) Kids love to argue. And as they get older and they start to spread their wings a little bit, guess what happens? It gets worse because they're starting to kind of get their own, hang on, I'm growing up and now I'm going to make my own decisions and you need to let me make my own decisions. And part of us goes, yeah, I need to let you make your own decisions, but that one's a dumb one. Don't do that one. That's (laughs) That's an expensive one. Don't do that. That's right. It's my money. It's not your money. Don't do that one. And so what happens is that those decisions that they make lead to discipline. And so we have to discipline those we love. And just a word to the, to the kids and youth here. You don't have to tell us that it's not fair because we know it's not. Life isn't meant to be fair, and it's not fair. You don't also don't have to tell us that Jimmy and Jane's parents are letting them do whatever it is because we know that Jimmy and Jane's parents are letting them do whatever it is that they want to do. And guess what? That ties back to point number one. Life's not fair, and it's <laughs> this is not fair. It's not an expectation that it's going to be. And I'm going to tell you a parent's secret and a grandparent secret. It's a secret we don't often share with you because, quite frankly, you'll use it against us. So we don't share this with you. everything that you're doing we've done <laughs> we've done i know you think it's i know you you think i'm unique and this i'm original and i'm the only one that's ever done all this stuff and you should let me try it you're not <laughs> we've done it too but we can't tell you that because we know there's an argument coming. And then if we tell you that, then you'll use, hey, yeah, but you did it. So, therefore, I should be able to. Now, just be more arguments. And there's enough arguments. So, we don't want to make our own arguments. You know, we'll just keep that one in our hip pocket. But just know those things, you know, because sometimes um, our originality gets in the way of our logic, especially when we're young. Here's the thing. You know who you discipline? those you care about think about that if you don't care about something do you worry about it at all doesn't matter but when you care deeply when you love someone you engage with them you participate you do the uncomfortable because guys we we don't want to have to be heavy-handed because we know that that's how it's going to come across but we also know that as your parent, as your grandparent, that we have a responsibility to help you grow to be who God created you to be. And, and it's important for us to do the best that we can do. And that means we involve ourselves and we participate. But for all of us, God is our parent. God is our parent. He, God disciplines those he loves because of his great care for us and his desire to see us do well. That's what God wants He wants to see us do well. Let me share this passage from the message. It's out of Hebrews 12. This is the NIV version of what I'm going to read. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. treating you as dear children this trouble you're in isn't punishment it's training the normal experience of children only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves would you prefer an irresponsible god we respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us so why not embrace god's training so we can truly live while we were children our parents did what seemed best to them But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Whatever you're going through, know that God will see you through it so that you're going to find yourself living as a mature believer and follower of him. And that's regardless of the why questions. I know I have a lot of whys about life, and, and each of us bring, why did this happen or why is that happening? You know, and it comes from, some of it comes from our own past. Some of it comes from, from others in our life, voices that, that echo from the past. Some of it comes from Satan and, and trying to get us off track. But the why question isn't as important as trusting in God if we grab hold of that trust, like we ultimately trust our parents, then we're going to grow to be who he called us to be. And he has our best interest at heart. The other thing that, out of this passage that jumps out at me, and I'm not going to spend as much time with this just because I've somewhat addressed it already, is truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. What I believe Jesus is saying here especially to those of us who have a tendency towards being skeptical or cynical or too grown up for our own good or or want to know all the answers before we commit. That perhaps we need to get off our high horse and simply receive the gift of grace that God has given to us. See, we don't earn it. God has a gift it's called grace it has your name on it and he takes this gift and he says this is yours it's for you I'm gonna leave it here I hope you come and get it I paid a dear price for that I paid with the blood of my son this is for you but he will never make you go and take that gift that gift of grace is free it's not earned We're never going to be smart enough or pretty enough or rich enough or or whatever status is. We're not going to be anything enough to out-God God. God. We just can't out-God God. God. Too often we try to out-God God. And it's so cool that we don't have to do that. He says here, Guy, it's my grace. It's a gift for you, Shirley, Jonathan, Patrick. See, God considers us His children. And I'm not just going to say that. I'm going to prove that. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them because... The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Second Corinthians 6, 17. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Romans eight seventeen. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. God sees you As his child, the only one who keeps us from receiving the kingdom of God as a little child is us. The only one. Just say yes. Just say yes. If you haven't done that, I invite you to do that this day. Embrace the calling you have and live your life for Jesus. He loves you. 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 That's where I want to finish this morning is with that focus because we're going to go into communion, which is the greatest love of all as he gave his life for us. But I want to read this passage. It's out of 1 John 4. Beloved, it's the New King James Version. Let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Are you hearing this? God is what? Love. Love. God is love and he abides in love. And he abides in you, and he abides in me. He's in us. He loves us. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear all fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We're known primarily in life by how we treat one another. We know that God's love for us is great because how he treated us and treats us is he gave himself on the cross because of his love for us so that we could experience a relationship with Him, so that we could be involved in His work in this world. People are going to know us in that same way, how we treat one another. See, what we say is important. Telling other people about God's love is crucial. It's critical. But if what we, what, what we do does not align with what we say, then those words are empty and they are lost. If what we do does not align with the things that we say, then our words are empty and lost, and our witness is emptied. That's not what God wants, though. God wants us to live in such a way that our lives align with the words that we say, because when when we live a life that follows the example of Christ, then it goes the other way, because we experience significance, and we experience being found. And you know what God does with found people? He finds other people. Be a found person, okay? Be a found person. Because God will use that for his glory to find others.